certainly had a fight in the dock and it's a really difficult situation. And I've had, I've had it much worse. I've had a fight with the defendant whilst he was giving evidence in front of the jury. And those moments in court are quite often breathtaking because they have such an impact. But it's how you deal with them. And of course, you go through the motions. Is this a matter that the jury should now be discharged? If I do that, what about this? If I do that and it's unsuccessful, how do I then deal with these sorts of episodes in front of a jury? And it doesn't have to be something as dramatic as a fight. It can be just a defendant shouting from the witness box towards, you know, a witness or to the judge. What do you do about those? The only advice that I can give is you don't ignore them. If your client made some pretty shocking, pretty strong comments or behaved in a certain way, don't pretend they didn't happen. You've got to address them. And whether that's addressing them in a constructive way of saying to the jury, well, members of the jury, you heard, didn't you, about some of his mental health history? And you saw it. You saw it on Wednesday, didn't you, that he just couldn't control that temper or what he wanted to say. If you can't deal with it in that constructive way, then you've got to say, well, members of the jury, just think about it from his point of view. If he is right, then everything that witness has said is untruthful about him. So is it any surprise that somebody would perhaps reach a point where he wanted, you know, was unable to control himself and, and made that known? However you deal with it, I think it does have to be dealt with. And I would say to those starting out, don't be afraid. You know, it's not your fault if something like that happens. So don't feel as though it's your fault. And just think about how can I deal with it? How can I get the judge to deal with it? What can I invite the judge to say about it that will limit any prejudice? And and I sometimes think that juries are more forgiving about those things than in the moment you may think. So I think the message is don't get overly panicked about it and just think about how it is that you can now deal with that, either in your speech or through some sort of direction via the judge. I liked the example you gave in terms of contextualising whatever had happened, i.e. your client might have mental health problems. Are there any other ways that you can deal with what I'll term for now as bad facts within your closing speech? Well, I think you've got to deal with them. Part of your job as the advocate is to sometimes be frank with the jury. If your client is somebody from the age of 14 has spent his life playing cat and mouse with the police, the idea that when somebody comes to his house with a machete and, you know, he ends up in the better position and the guy ends up with the machete in his leg, that he would just call the police to explain what he did. It's just a nonsense. And I think sometimes the art of the advocate is to bring that home to the jury, that quite often the people that will be in the dock are people whose lives will be very different from the jurors' lives. You know, for most people, something happens, you call the police or you go to hospital if you've got an injury. 
if from being 14, you've always regarded the police as those that come and raid your house and take your brother away um, or always stopping you looking for drugs, your inevitable relationship with the police will not be how most people view the police. And so sometimes you're trying to put what are deemed bad facts into that background or that cultural background of a defendant. And I don't think you should be afraid to say that to the jury. Because often prosecutors will say, well, members of the jury, if you did this in self-defense, the first thing you would do is pick up the phone and call the police and tell them. And so turn that on its head when you address the jury. Say, well, that is probably what my learned friend would do. It's probably what most of you would do. But I suspect that not many of you from the age of 13 have been in and out of a care system where you've spent your life running away from police, not believing the police, not trusting the police. And so sometimes you have to put it into that cultural context. So you take the sting out of some of those points that often prosecutors will make, which actually I think are often unfair. Jurors sometimes get it they will appreciate that point. What about the very sympathetic witness, rather victim, that something awful has happened to and your client is fairly unattractive and unlikable? How do you deal with that? Again, it comes back to this credibility point. If that is what the jury will inevitably think, address it and turn it to your advantage. So, A case that I can think of where seven or eight-year-old little boy had to give evidence about hearing his mum call for help as she was effectively dying, domestic violence. And of course, you try to see whether or not you need that child to come to court. And we, in the end, decided that we definitely did need that child. There was no way we couldn't put certain things or or ask the child certain things. And so you have this incredibly sad case where a young woman has died. Her little boy has heard her in those, you know, final moments of her life. You've got a fairly unattractive defendant um, in the witness box and this little boy comes on screen and he's gorgeous. And now, of course, he doesn't have a mother. So inevitably, the jury have this immediate and perfectly understandable sense of sympathy towards him. And I think when it comes to dealing with that sort of situation in your speech, you just have to be frank about it. Members of the jury, you wouldn't be human if you didn't feel this overwhelming sense of sympathy towards that little boy. What a hideous situation for that little boy to be in. And it's all because of that man sitting in the back of the court. So it's about addressing head on, inevitably, what the jury will be thinking. But what you then want to try and do, assuming that you can, is to say, but of course, members of the jury, the reason that that little boy's evidence is so important is because it demonstrates, doesn't it, that at the point that he heard mum say that, it must be right, isn't it, that the defendant had left the premises or, or whatever. So whatever point it is you want to make about. So 
It's that technique of bringing the jury in by being honest and frank with them about something that they will inevitably feel. But when you got them there, it's about saying, well, irrespective of that sympathy and that emotion, what you have to look at is this piece of evidence. So it's about turning that to your advantage. And a good way of getting their attention is to do, is to say, you know, you will inevitably have felt sympathy for him. And the jury think, oh, she's agreeing. You know, she's not going to tell us that that little boy is a liar or whatever. So it's about doing exactly the same that when you have a, a difficult defendant or the defendant has done something, about trying to use that in a way that will take the sting out of the jury's response. Thank you for listening to the Advocacy Podcast, Journeys to Excellence. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and visit us at theadvocacypodcast.com for reading lists and other resources. Until next time.